getting into the sermon of the morning, message of the morning. Into a, uh, we've been going in, uh, through a series on the home. The first one was the magnitude of the opportunity. The second one was just how dumb can my parents become. And today we're moving into a, a two-part message, and it's entitled Giving Your Children a Fair Chance. A lot of this inform, a lot of this experience and observations that I have in these, these two next sermons, this sermon and the next one, have been gleaned from Maranatha Bible School. Just being around youth coming into Bible school, being here to observe how youth flow into and fit into uh, a setting like this socially and spiritually, and, and then watching some students come and just struggle and struggle and struggle. And and uh, my heart really goes out for them. And, and And if you ask a few questions, there's reasons why they're struggling. And, and most of the time, the bulk of the time, it goes back to their home. Things were happening in their home or things were not happening in their home that when they get into a larger setting, they are just struggling because they have not, have not been shown by example by their parents how to live a successful Christian life. An effective Christian life. It's just not there. And, and, and this not only affects just while they're here at Bible school, they, they go out and, you know, try to function in a larger congregation and they, they can't, they, they, they just struggle to try to fit. And, and so, um, that, that's kind of the observations that I've made over the years here. Uh, we kind of get the product of the home, all right? High teens, you know, low twenties. Like, you know, this this is kind of this is this is what's happening. And 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 I look at some, you know, this family will send child after child after child after child, and I mean just top notch, top notch. I mean one right after the other, and it, it's such a blessing. And then you see them come. One will struggle, the next one will struggle, and, and it's like, what's going on? And it, and it's sometimes it's homes, and there has been times where it's congregations. Like, you get an application from congregation. Now, this has not happened recently, but in the 80s, I used to get applications from congregation, and, and it's like, uh-oh, here we go again. And... We try to give them all a fair chance. I mean, it's like I don't tell the staff what I've worked through in order to allow this student to come. I don't tell them so that they don't have prejudged prejudgments and and treat these people in ways that they shouldn't. But so moving into the first one. Number one, as parents, we need to be all there for Christ in the church, engaged and committed. 
Our children follow us by default. Our example reflects into their lives. And I understand, I understand clearly this morning that children have their decisions to make and they make some, some make some decisions that does not reflect their home. I understand that. But as a rule of thumb, children follow example by default. Is, am I, as a parent, being all there for the church, am I engaged? Am I committed? Should there be any question in anybody's mind in, we're talking prairie church this morning, in anybody's mind, whether I am a committed Christian or am I just kind of, well, just kind of floating by? Now, I'll tell you something this morning I should be extremely ashamed of, and I am. When I transferred my membership from Maryland to Ohio, my bishop in Maryland said, Dennis is a pretty nice guy, but he's not all in. You know what? I wasn't fooling nobody. I wasn't fooling him. I wasn't fooling nobody in the church. That was the way it was. At the time, because of my carnality, I thought it was funny. I do not think it's funny. When you get serious with God, brothers and sisters, this morning, it's not funny when you're not only about half in. Because if you're only half in, you don't really know if the Lord comes whether you're going to be in or out, and you're not going to be half in. And so we have the question in our application, how does a student relate to authority to their parents in the church? And if it says fair, I have asked most of the time, how's mom and dad doing, dad and mom? Almost always, it's about the same. Should that surprise us? But that puts me in a dilemma. I may have told you this before. I know I've told in many private conversations, but that puts me in a dilemma. If we can't help them, and if they come with this disadvantage of watching parents that are only half engaged, then who's going to help them? Yet, we're not Fresh Start. We're not a counseling center where there's one person for four. We don't have that intensity. And so I I get all tore up about that. Because they're not being given a fair chance. And somebody has to give them a fair chance if they're going to make it. Yet, and, and there's places to get a fair chance, I suppose. I mean, to help... Help make up, but it's very unfortunate that the parents kind of revel in their uncommitted, don't tell me what to do, I'm going to do my own thing type of thing. They kind of revel in that independence and they're going to, they're just going to, you know, they're just going to do what they want to do. Sometimes, 
I think the students do terrible. Somebody comes and they misbehave and they, they're, they're out of con- kind of, yeah, well, well I, I call them passive resistors or passive rebels or whatever. No, they don't go out and do really bad stuff, but they just keep pushing the line, keep pushing the line, keep pushing the line. But I ask a few questions and somebody says, well, dad just told mom, his, his dad just told his mom right before he left home that he's out of here. What would that do to you? Then I look at him and I say, not doing too bad. He's not being given a fair chance, but at least he's cooperating a little bit. And all that trauma, personal trauma that they're going through because of a parent that's not committed, they're not engaged, they're not in, on the way out. If I'm not committed, where will my children get a chance? Where will they get a fair chance to become everything that God wants them to be? We must answer that question. So it's important when I'm asked to do something in the church or whatever that I'll give it everything I got. If if it comes Wednesday night, we're going to be there unless it's an emergency. If there's something, you know, the church project of some sort, I'm going to be the first one there or I'm going to be there, you know, that. And it's amazing It's amazing the responses of people who observe those who are absent. Something's going and the person's absent. Oh, well. And if another person's absent, they're saying there must be an emergency somewhere. I mean, something, something's really coming down here. Serious. If they aren't there, there's something serious going on. Number two, give my children a fair chance by accepting accountability for my actions and not blame shifting. You know, we as parents, we expect Cooperation, we, ex- we have high expectations of cooperation and obedience when we tell our children what to do. Okay, if it's time to, okay, Mary or Johnny, take out the trash or burn the trash or, or, or weed the flower garden or, or the garden or pick tomatoes or whatever. We don't expect them to, to fiddle around. And then when they're asked, well, you know, you know, uh, 
Jerry, he didn't do what you said either. Right? Or this was wrong, or that was wrong, or somebody else's problem, or this or that. We expect them to own up when something's broke. It just didn't break on its own. You know very well that the hedge trimmers didn't get broke sitting on the shelf. If they're broke, somebody broke it. And we expect, well, nobody broke it. I mean, it's like, did you break No, 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 nobody broke it. Now, come on. Now, wait a minute. Somebody broke it. I broke the pump handle at the cabin in Virginia. And, of course, my siblings, I've probably told you this, my siblings more than happy to report that Danny broke the pump handle. So my dad says, so what happened? And I said, well, I just looked at it. And it broke. Now, my siblings would probably agree with that because, you know, if you're so ugly, you can just look at something that breaks, I guess. Maybe I don't know, but... <laughs> Own up. Own up. It was my fault. Sorry. I, 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 I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. Don't just walk away from it. Uh, accept responsibility. Accept accountability. And, 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 and we can do that. I mean, it's like, I can say, well, I, I can't do this because of Dwight, you know, or I can't do this because of Cleon or, or, you know, the, the, the church. And, and we blame the church because of this or we blame the church because of that. Well, it's in, unique in the fact that if I blame my church, then I am blaming myself. Or else I'm going to have to remove myself from the church in order to effectively blame the church. I'm blaming something, an entity that I am a, I am a living part of. So, no one, all right, if we're going to give our children a fair chance, we're going to have to, we as parents must own up to the fact that if we have in our lives bitterness, hypocrisy, anger, sensitivity, selfishness, and pride, that I personally must take responsibility for that. I, I must. It's nobody else's fault that if I am angry and bitter, it's no one else's fault. Now, the other person may be giving me terrible fit, they may be slandering me. They may be doing all kinds of things to me. They may be ripping my character to shreds. They may be doing all kinds of things. But they can't force me to be angry and bitter. They cannot force me to do that. Because if I have a love and compassion in my heart, I'm using this example, if I have a love and compassion of Jesus in my heart, my I am going to be reaching out to that person that's beating me up. I can't stand back and say I'm angry and I'm bitter because of somebody else and carry this file cabinet on my back that I open up every time somebody 
does something to me and is like, oh, yeah, well, you said this and this and this and this. And we pull out all these papers and all the history and what all they said 20 years ago. And that's why I am the way I am. We need to give our children a fair chance by accepting personal responsibility so that they can witness true accountability in the lives of their parents. That when something happens and whatever it may be, and it's wrong that parents are willing to own up to it and ask for forgiveness. Number three, we need to give our children a fair chance by leading them through their personal challenges or trauma without feeding their immature feelings and babying them. All right. Uh, oh, let me see here. Justin Stephanie, that little baby have any carnality in it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it can't talk, all right, but it gets a stiff back. And, and if it hasn't yet, it will. All right, so I'm... Yeah, you know that, and I do too. Okay, so we're born with this this carnal tendency. And it don't take children long to to show that. I don't like what's going on, and so I'm going to scream and yell till I get what I want. Our responsibility as parents in raising our children is to get them to change that focus on myself and my little problems to... What are the needs around me? And how are the other, how's the other person going to feel? And, and I don't know about you, but, uh, okay, so if you have children, sometime or the other, you saw your children getting beat up or toys being torn out of their hands when you watched and saw that they had it first, all right? So how are you gonna how are you gonna respond to that? Just a simple thing as a toy. How are you gonna respond to that? Are you gonna go to the parent of the person who took the toy away from your child and say your Billy took the bulldozer from my Johnny and he won't give it back? And I think you should go over there and make sure that I don't get these names all mixed up, but my child gets the toy back, all right? Is that the way you do it? No. No. You take your child aside and say, maybe it wasn't right that they took your toy, but you can find another one. And they can learn to accept loss, they can learn that things aren't going to go the way they want in their life. And and so we empathize with them, and, and we feel bad for them when we see that type of thing happening. But we don't need to feed their carnality and say, you know, he took away your toy, and that wasn't fair, and and, and you know, it's like, You understand? Are we helping them to crucify their flesh 
the same way we are crucifying our flesh when we saw the event happen. So, when our children sometimes obviously see that someone is misusing us in some way or the other, they are observing what the response is. They're observing what dad or mom says, does, Are we helping them to accept the reverses in life, the disappointments in life, and have a cheerful, thankful attitude? If I'm teaching them that they need to get back, get even, get this or get that, how is that going to how is that going to relate to their ability to serve serve Christ their ability to function within a brotherhood how, how is that going to work you know very very well as i that in a good godly functioning church there's going to be disappointments maybe maybe somebody did say something for you but you just got to let it go Sometimes parents feel they need to protect their children from disappointment or from whatever. And I find it interesting. Teenagers, generally speaking, if they're well-trained, can take care of themselves in a lot of things. I get these phone calls, or I did. It's like, I, I don't have this job anymore. It's Richard, so whatever. But I get these phone calls that, that my child has a severe allergy, all right? They can't eat this, 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 and this. And the worst one is this. I mean, it's a big, long list. Now, how do you run a Bible school with that type of thing? Uh, that's a challenge. I'm charged. I'm, I was in charge of the kitchen. Okay. So, so my response was fine. All right. What we're going to do is we're going to allow your child to bring a, a, a certain amount of food to Bible school. We're going to give you a, give that child a place in the freezer for portions. And then if, if the menu has something that's not compatible to your allergies, uh, they will allow to go to the freezer and you get your portion out and you put it in a microwave. Microwaves are off limits for the, for the students, but you, you can put your stuff in the microwave and you can heat that up. And, and whenever there's a meal that fits, then you talk to the, talk to the cooks and they will give you the leftovers and you can individually, you know, portion these out and replenish your stock in the fridge. I'm not downplaying allergies, all right? 
I'm just observing. Almost invariably, the food will come out of the freezer for about three days, and after that, it all sits there. Somehow, the parents thought that they had all these allergies, and in reality, there wasn't any. And in one case, the allergic reaction was to garlic. This was absolutely the worst one for this student. And they served garlic bread with spaghetti, and the student came back for seconds on the garlic bread. Understand me here. Understand me. I said I have nothing to do. I have no qualms with allergies. People have very real allergies. All right. But parents can set them, set their children up where they really don't have a fair chance because of, of how they're trying to overprotect their children. And feeding the supposed allergy problem when there really wasn't any. There are students that have come with legitimate allergy problems, and I find it very interesting. They make no fanfare. They simply quietly go get their food. They warm it up, and they come out and they eat. Very capable of taking care of themselves. Number three. Number four. We need to give our our children a fair chance by remaining emotionally stable in time of crisis. Emulating the rock Jesus Christ. Your children need Parents who do not think it's the end of the world when a crisis surfaces. They need to be able to ghost to somebody that is going to maybe maybe be uh, baffled, maybe, maybe uh, not sure how it's going to come out, but 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 God is going to be there for us. He's going to be there for us. He's going to be there for our family. Our children need parents who are spiritually and emotionally stable. Not, oh my, this is the end of the world. How much worse can it get? Oh, last week is this, week, this thing and next week, I mean, and the week before that it was something else. And they got this poor mouth of all, and they can tell you all the crises that they went through. And then wonder why their, their, their children are always in this trauma thing. That it, if it isn't one thing, it's another. And, and, you know, this person did this to me, and this person did that to me, and, and somebody else did so and so and so. You know, tweens, you know what a tween is? What? 
10 to 13, I don't know, something like that. That was a new term to me, but anyhow. 10 to 13, 15. You know, you know that, that is a very, very, a lot of times, very emotional stage for children. They're, they're kind of getting into the social thing, and, and they're sensitive. They're, they're wondering how they fit into this whole program, and, 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 and they're sensitive about what people say and how they look at them. And, and you know, and I say it's the trauma for the guys, and it's the drama for the girls, all right? That, that can be a very emotional time. And somebody's got to be able to sit down with them and, and say, no, no, wait a minute. No, wait a minute. Just because somebody said something, does that mean that that is what they meant? Um, could have been something else, or even if they did say it, does that fit you? I mean, if they said you're dumb and ugly, are you dumb and ugly or aren't you? Well, no, you're not. So just drop it. I mean, you know, whatever it may be. Children need parents that give them a fair chance when they say, I don't know how God's going to work this out, but he's going to do it for us. He's going to be there. He's going to help us. We don't have all the answers. I, I don't know really what to tell you right now, maybe. Uh, but, but, but we're not left alone. God's gonna see us over this mountain. And you take that perspective. God is gonna see us over this mountain to, what? The end of the world. That, that, that is poles apart. And that, that affects the way our children are going to respond to their challenges in life. Don't be an emotional piece of jello. Emulate the rock Jesus Christ. Like, I can go to my father, and my father will help me. I can go to my mother, and my mother will help me. Reflect the stability of God. Well, I think I have time for one more. We can give our children a fair chance by being genuinely interested in them versus being a helicopter parent. Though you know what a helicopter parent is. What, what do helicopters do? They hover, right? They hover, all right? And they, you know, they, they're just watching. You can watch anything you want. I mean, for a helicopter, you just kind of, kind of. There's an interesting phenomena in, 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 in Bible school life. And it's something that we warn, particularly deans and matrons. If you want to fail, all right, if if you really want to fail, and if you really want to mess this whole thing up, just start the cops and robbers game, all right? Put on a black shirt and black pants and 
and take off your shoes and sneak around the dorm and just see who you can find out of their bunk. And if you really want to get sneaky about it, you, you, you come in and you get in between the, the two racks of clothes, you know, and, and you work your way down there, you know, and you open the, you open the shirts and you look out and you see what's going on and it's like, like you're done. I'm serious. You're done before you start. It never works. I understand. There's a balance between knowing what your children and being a helicopter parent and being naive, all right? Okay, you're just like, well, they'll take care of themselves and, and who cares, whatever. That, that, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, you know, I believe that if you have a relationship with your children, you can find out what's going on way easier than getting in your helicopter and getting a little bit above the clouds and see what they're doing. It's like, so what did you do last night? No. Did you have a good time last night? Well, yeah, we did at youth, you know. It's like, so what would that, so what, what, what'd you do? What made it a good time? And, well, 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 we did this, we did that, and we had this baseball game, and we, maybe we went to Culver's Rice, whatever it was. You See, if you have a relationship, you can find out what's going on without setting up this tug of war between you know, what What I want to do and what the parents want to do, I, I went to school with a guy that that his dad would sneak out into the into the garage and check, write down his odometer. He'd know how many miles it was to youth and how many miles to get back from youth, all right? And so he'd write that down, and if a car came back with five more miles on it, okay, where were you beside youth? Guess what? It didn't work. Because when he got so many miles, like he reached up underneath there and he took took a speedometer cable off and he drove around all where he wanted. And then when he got some within so many miles of home, he pulled off the side of the room, put it back on again. He had the perfect. Get it? Let's not suffocate our children with, you know, if we have a relationship, we can build a trust relationship, we can have an open relationship, and, or I've met parents who like, oh, I know how youth are, and they get this big wide brush out, and they d- dunk it into whatever it is, and they paint all the youth with this big wide brush. All of them, you know, it's like, well, you know, you know, give them half a chance and they'll all be at the movies or do this and that, you know, and, and the, the sad thing, what's really sad is when the parent was doing that and expects that all their children are going to do the same thing. And, you know, we had a couple come in here and, you know, right in the front door, at the front door and face and all around. It's like, don't you let Joey go to town because I know what happened when I I was that age and I went to town. It's like, he is not allowed to go to town. 
The poor boy. I mean, with all these witnesses and his dad saying there, you know, I'll have to confess something here. I was assistant principal at the time, and we try to honor, you know, parents' requests, but we sat down and we thought that went through, and we say, you know what, Joey's going to town. When there's five or six young people going to town, no, Joey's not going to town by himself because we don't let anybody else do that either. But if they're all going to Walmart or they're going to whatever, then he can go with them. Somebody has to give this boy some trust. You can't paint him with the wide brush. So we need to coach our children. We need to walk alongside them in their life's experience. Wouldn't it be a better goal to set up the situation where your children could surpass you spiritually? Rather than put them in the evil box and ooze distrust, it, they can they can surpass far surpass what you were when you were seventeen. Help them to do that. Reach out to them. That's it for this morning, and we will progress next time around.